Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things podcast, a The Twin Geeks production, which I say very carefully every time and only occasionally get completely wrong in different ways. Um, I am joined, as always, um, by Vaughan. I'm Stephen, by the way. Um, but we have a special guest um, this time who you'll know from the wider family of the Twin Geeks podcasts and from associated products like The Stacks, mm. which means you can probably work out <laughs> it's not me. Um, who it is, yes, it's Stephen Davenport. No, it's Jack. Hello, Jack. Hello, friends. Let's spoil so, those things. Yeah, so on this podcast, so what we do um, is we talk about um, recent releases. Now, this movie technically is a bit of an older release because of the difference in, in, in releases, because, you know, it comes out differently in the UK than it does in, in whatever they call those places that we used uh-huh, to own. I don't right. know, I forget, I forget <laughs> the correct term. Um, so this movie, it's, I want to say, early 2000s. Um, they transported the franchise over to Japan um to learn how to make cars go sideways and uh, at one point there's donkey kong and there's a hulk car that's right we're talking about the fast and furious tokyo drift jack you go first don't do this to me <laughs> you can't possibly do this to me i have so many notes on a different film i've rewatched it minutes ago please you can't make wait. me watch tokyo drift again wait, you can't too make me fast talk too furious about- Yes, yeah, yeah, Too Fast, Too Furious. I believe okay, you guys still well, haven't no. seen Oh, I have um, seen Nick, that was a joke for the only two people on the podcast. <laughs> for yeah. nobody. We've gone from jokes Literally, for very specific joke. people that to was... jokes for nobody. That was scary, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a chat set up to eventually do our second episode of the Fast and Furious show. And um, the first Vaughan episode which came out six months ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Vaughn sent a message to that chat being like, we're going to record later. Stefan so Jack presumed, as you would, that it was going to be a Tokyo Drift podcast. We're like, oh, no. No, thankfully, it's much no. better. No. Um, so, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the film Everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. um which we've all seen a couple of times now we've only seen it three oh, times yeah. yeah i've seen it three times in the theaters uh, you guys have seen it both in theaters and at home i believe yes mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. it's yeah it's ridiculously good um it's quite good. I enjoyed absolutely it. astounded by it um both times that i saw it and it's the kind of film that i just want more to see and to watch with people because it's quite stunning um but how how have your theater experiences been with this film phenomenal uh, every time really great and especially i was surprised i saw it just a few days ago now so for the u.s release it's been yeah maybe even a, at least a month i want to say i'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. when the the u.s release was but i saw it at like 10 p.m on a random weeknight and it was still packed there were tons of people in there and everyone was having a great time uh the first time i saw it i saw it early with calvin and again massive packed theater and it was just such a great experience to have all of those people watching it for the first time really great yeah i saw it opening weekend here um and at we went to see it at the multiplex rather than the art house one because we thought the art house one be full um and we thought the multiplex would be quite quiet and we almost didn't book in advance and then decided to realize there were almost no seats left um, <laughs> which was awesome and it was completely full um and the audience, I would say, were a mix of super into it and completely confused. Oh, wow. Um, like, really, really confused. Um, two people... Uh, my favourite crowd of people that go to the cinema, it's such a, a, a specific heterosexual archetype of 
cushy boyfriend that takes girlfriend along to see movie because he sure. thinks it'll be a good date idea and then you just see them just like walk out both looking like this looked like this was a terrible thing <laughs> so there's this like clear couple with someone looking like and the and the the partner behind looking like this was your idea god damn you um just <laughs> holding up their packs walking out about halfway through and i'm like ah, fair enough you gave it a go um oh, what a shame should have stuck uh, it through there was a bit um, a specific bit which i will call the rock sequence yeah, yeah. um which i couldn't Dwayne love LeBron more Johnson. and um a friend that i went to see it with just turned to me and said why is nobody else laughing because it was just, <laughs> me and him just being like oh, this is the funniest thing like, and that's interesting like in that scene as well wow <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I think every time I've gone, I everyone in the theater seems to have been kind of on the same wavelength. Everyone's enjoying all of it. So I guess I've gotten lucky with my my crowds. I had a spontaneous applause. Um, the person in the row in front kept clapping at stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Anytime there's anything a bit risque involving, like, let's say, genital shaped or <laughs> butt plug shaped, <laughs> clapping, sure, clapping, yeah. clapping. Really, really, oh, that's really, awesome. really, yeah. Really, for, the really auditors, for the auditors in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can, I can appreciate that more than the Marvel clappers. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Hooting, hollering. It's a good hooting and hollering movie. Um, so a film by Daniels. I love that. I love that so much. Having mm. two friends make movies together and it's not Daniel one and Daniel two, it's just Daniels. Yeah, yeah, that's I've great. Got a lot of time for that. Um, what is our Daniels experience then? So I, we've just, all at least seen Swiss Army Man. Yeah, I have not seen Swiss Army Man yet. I've oh, been meaning because you know you've seen the other one, haven't you? I thought you'd yeah, seen both. I, and I've been meaning I to. I feel like probably several podcasts now. I've said I'm going to watch Swiss Army Man. Um, you really don't need to, but <laughs> but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But yeah, I did for whatever reason. I watched um, which was only Daniel Scheinert uh, directed The Death yeah. of Dick Long, but I did see Maybe that. The weaker of the Daniels, sorry. Uh, very weird. Um, not a movie I would recommend. <laughs> I don't think to anyone. It's not bad, but it's just right. very it? weird. Uh, Jack, have you seen The Death of Dick Long? I have not. I oh. have name, but I, um, I, have not I don't think it. there's any way to sort of concisely explain it, but it's about uh, it's about some weird Southern guys, is what I'll say, <laughs> in Alabama. <Salt>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of them dies, and they're trying to keep the his his means of death a secret. I'll I'll say okay. that. It's a weekend at Bernie's. It's a weekend at Bernie's. It's like weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> sure. sure. That's yeah, one way to say it. Yeah, why you just say that, Ron? Why you just say it's weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> well, because if you watch the movie and then you probably no. wouldn't compare it to that, but no, I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna do that. Um yeah, so I watched um Swiss Army Man in preparation, I guess, just because I wanted to have seen it. Um it's a film I've put off watching for a long time because I remember it was very highly advertised and people kept being saying it was the kind of thing that they thought that i would like and i kept looking at that being like no so i kind of went out of spite to not watch it I was like no that's no you've misread me and then i i watched it and yeah did, did not particularly like it at all um it's nicely made and quite snappy mm. um but it's just I, I, the obvious because those that have seen it i mean those that haven't will know the premise of it's just farting boner corpse um which it's not much of a premise for a movie <laughs> but at least it leans into that so like the purity of it isn't really that weirdly the bits that like abrasive and puerile are it's kind of like attitudes towards women throughout the yeah, entire movie and just creepy. like the underpinnings of the 
male power fantasy that it's kind of deconstructing, but not really, because it's still very much through that lens. Interesting. It's very much like it it gets undermined by wants to do jokes and pathos. Um, and it puts its jokes and its pathos in weird places. Um, if I read you the narrative of the film, you go, okay, that's a that's a clever arc that is against that. And then you see it be performed and you go, oh, no. Mm. Doesn't quite work, right? No. That's not. interesting. Interesting then that, and it's a shame we ha- don't all have the same experience with these movies, um, at least having seen them. But it's interesting that they would go from that. And I, similarly, I think the death of Dick Long is kind of weird in that way where it doesn't feel like it's it just doesn't quite work and it's got kind of stuff that just feels kind of gross, you know? So it's mm. interesting then that they would go from stuff like that to this movie, which feels so yeah. <laughs> such the polar opposite of that. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. When I found out that the people doing this movie had done Swiss army man, I was a little apprehensive before those Same. came out. So I was like, I've seen Swiss army man a couple of times. Like first time I liked it. Second time, less so and i just don't really plan on revisiting it but this movie is just something else like it's genuinely incredible i was i was totally totally stunned by it the first time watched it again and was 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 just able to appreciate i think what i appreciated more the second time is actually there's actually a lot less of it than i thought there was and i mean that as a compliment of it disguises its budget so well the second time was like man there's only like three locations and then like and yeah, to some viewers they'll pick up on that and we'll see it as a flaw the first time but to me because I was so caught up in like the unfurling unfolding logic of the film and not and generally not knowing where it was going I yeah, think yeah, yeah. the three of us all watch a lot of films and I think a film that feels generally unpredictable is like a, a rare feat and it's often because it's unpredictably terrible or out of control <laughs> and this is a film that uses a very clear overall arc where you know it's going to go you know what the characters are going to do but how it's going to get from A to B, you have no idea. You know it's oh, going yeah. to be, and you know what's going to happen at the end, and it, and it works perfectly for that. But the way that it gets there is utterly wildering. Like, the first act ended, and I was like, well, that was that was amazing. Uh, wow. Okay, now we're dialed in. The second act, I was like, okay, this is even stranger. <laughs> this is even more <laughs> wild, even more unpredictable. Did not know. Um, yeah, genuinely incredible. Um, and the person, one of the people I saw it with, um, was so stunned by it not as in like they even liked it they didn't even clarify whether they liked it or not they genuinely couldn't talk one of the most animated like outspoken people i know which is like <laughs> it's it's a lot it really mm, is there's take, yeah. i mean it lives up to its own title you know by a lot yes. it's it's just mm. it's quite an attack on the senses but in like such a good way like it's so yeah. so it's such an enjoyable thing to experience the entire time there's not like a moment of it where i get i mean even like on the third rewatch now and i would absolutely watch it again and again and yeah i don't think i would ever get bored of the way it unfolds no totally and i i, I do have friends that don't like it and i understand why and i've had long conversations about it and i've found those conversations quite interesting mm-hmm. actually and i'm not surprised at all that us three and calvin specifically are people that love this film because i mean think about why do we and i think this goes back to um though obviously with the, with the exception of matt who falls outside of this this is very much the the cinematic omnivores film of if you're into art film Right. only art film you may not actually like this because it's just like it's not quite that and if you're into blockbusters and genre film and only those you may not really like this because it's sure. not quite that but if you are like us of you love that and you love this mm. this is this wonderful blend of it's got that spectacle thing and i do love a spectacle film i do love a big yeah. blockbuster when it's good and this is that and then it's got some art film smarts and some really interesting thematic stuff and it's got some atypical stuff some like more like avant-garde stuff 
all going on smushed together if you're only into one side of the equation i don't think it's gonna work for you at all um if you are interested in both i can't imagine it's not working for you but obviously yeah. there are some exceptions there uh, yeah as an enthusiast of all things a movie that is all things is really my speed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it does it's, it's so great how it plays with so many different things in so many different corners of cinema like i just yes, think that's yeah. that's really where its strength is it's like that way that it's in conversation with so many different things without feeling like yeah. it's just purely referential like it uses those as building blocks for what its wider arc is and it's just amazing yeah i've been listening to the soundtrack a lot as i see that jack has as well actually because yes, he posted yeah, it on his instagram um which the soundtrack rules and there's this i'm hearing the sound cues more and there's that matrix sound cue or something very similar to it are, a few times there the some very thing like that is cues. that is in there very specifically um which is great because obviously it's very indebted to the matrix yeah but also so when watching it the first time like okay i love this next day ratatouille joke that's very very funny so like that's one of its the things that it's pulling on but then there's also this entire sequence that's just an extended <laughs> homage to one car wise in the movie right. love. I love that. but no real so reason good. and i was the only person of my friends that had seen that movie and i turned to a friend be like have you seen the movie love and he's like no i'm like okay we'll, 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 we'll talk we'll, later we'll <laughs> but, <laughs> but you don't need to have seen that at yeah. all and then having seen that it doesn't feel like it's an empty kind of like echo of that it just feels like this like loving suitable wonderful way of expressing because that film is so good about longing and yearning and what could have been it's such a great shorthand that is appreciative of that and if it's a multiverse the multiverse should include wider cinema and seeing as in the jaws is not a shark take this one is not about the multiverse this is not about that at all like the multiverse is there purely as metaphor to facilitate a very intimate story about um, relationships and characters mm. so therefore that being cinematic kind of like affectation is just as important as anything else i'm curious what jack your take is on the way it's kind of in conversation with the kung fu aspect because you yeah. are a, a our known kung fu expert i i do enjoy watching kung fu movies because this was originally written with my main man jackie chan in mind as the lead role oh really um, really yeah, yeah. He, it was written with Jackie Chan in mind and I don't know if it, the conversation ever happened or if he turned it down or whatever but then it went to Michelle Yeoh they, they changed around the script and I think it works all the better with mm. Michelle Yeoh in yeah. his primary position um, like famously Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh never really got on when they worked together because they, they've worked together in a, a, a number of different films and Jackie's always had this weird, I mean, he's he's a very self-imposed man. He knows he's a celebrity and he on set would be trying to show Michelle Yeoh how to do certain things. And she'd be like, I know what I'm doing. Like, just leave me, <laughs> leave me be. But they worked together on like Police Story 3, Super Cop, Meet the Cop Who Can't Be Stopped, which then turned out, spun out into Super Cop 2. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was in like y Yuen Wu Ping movies. Uh, like Tai Chi Master and Wing Chun, so she's like mm -hmm. completely knows no complete stranger to this world of like genre cinema and like action cinema. And the way that the uh, filmmakers here and the, the choreographers have blended together different elements from genre cinema from like the seventies onwards to create um, some really engaging and really creative fight scenes. Like fully appreciate all of that. Um, uh, there's also the the choreographers. I think like. I think it's like a set of three brothers, like the Lay brothers, uh, Joseph Lay, and I can't remember the other two, but they have also worked on Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. 
um, which is a movie that has interesting choreography that is, but is not well captured by the film. So yeah, this, exactly. this is the perfect is, mix of uh, it has a cinematographer that knows what they're doing. <laughs> right, exactly. It's it doesn't it's not uh, crowded by the MCU shenanigans and everything has to be about a big battle with a big dragon. This movie lets it breathe <laughs> a bit more. You know, there's yeah. uh, versatility to the movement. There's there's room to breathe. Uh, oh, what a movie! What a picture! <sighs> It, it, it did so good and i like the the kung fu stuff is delivered so well of just like mm. really intense really entertaining just like full-blooded thing but never like sadistic um never lingering on like pain yeah. or harm it has no, no interest in that it's got there interest is... in these things as spectacle and frames it so nicely and for me it's a great mix of it doesn't surprise me that the daniels come from a music video background mm. this reminds me of when i like that school of music video directors like your David Finchers, your Jonathan Glazers at the top end of right. that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, Where the Wild Things Are and A Ton of Sunshine. Um, Spike Jones. Uh, Spike Jones, yeah. Spike Jones. Um, so, like, very much that school. It feels like another one of those a bit later on. And it reminds me of, I do really like that when it's done well because I got a bit burnt out on that as like a overly stylized style of being like mm-hmm. overtly stylistic. But here it's a nice mix of knows when to hold the frame, knows when to let the visuals talk without just over editing and then knows when to just like go 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 and be frenetic and be stylish and just be all in your face to be everywhere everything everywhere all at once there is like a familiarity like some of those early edgar wright pictures and like the pace and Mm. energy that those have and also like the comic booky angle of something like scott pilgrim all that sort of stuff yeah there's that one uh slow-mo shot of jamie lee curtis like jumping down the stairs in oh yeah and it's such like a, a comic booky panel slow-mo shot that feels like a scott pilgrim thing it good it good it just, it just keeps going back to that i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of like all the the because i know like, i know the basic reasons why i love it because it's just really, really fun and really funny um all the way through um the recurring gags are funny i think the raccoonie thing is just every time i think about that i just laugh so much um because it's just it is it's so did great. you guys did you guys know like who voiced raccoon yeah randy newman <laughs> Oh yeah. really? Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That's so it's really cool. It's like almost like homage to Pixar in general, yeah. even though Randy Newman did the soundtrack to Toy Story and um, Bugs Life, but not Ratatouille. But it's just I'm... like a very strange, odd thing that I appreciate. I, I I like the joke so much because it's it it reminds me of a reason I love the film is its commitment to these like just commitment in general to just like making the bit more yeah. than a bit of there are some bits like so for example the, the the empathy kind of like fight at the end that ends in this like really cathartic everyone gets it's like the oprah moment of you get a car you get a car you get a car <laughs> thing of everyone gets solved and it's all the characters from earlier of what you thought were throwaway scenes and it brings yeah. like even like the throwaway just like man in the um the bdsm basement thing yeah, gets his yeah, kink yeah. and is loving it like the way that it brings that back is is, is wonderful whose um, name by the way is on on his desk his name is richard long I just I noticed that on my ah, third watch. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Jesus Christ! Um, it's packed. But, it's, a, it's a movie packed with these little yeah. details. The, so the Rakikuni thing is great because you've got this this first great joke, which is obviously just her getting the name of the movie wrong, yeah, and because right. obviously the the universe I'm watching is not our universe, as it becomes clear. Like this is not our part of the multiverse. They show that was like some a, a thing that I really enjoy about the film is the character who is crudely called Big Nose, which is maybe one of the weaker points of the film. Um, begins by wearing like a headset in a way of normalizing that people wear headsets in this world <laughs> so then when um when evelyn is sat with headsets on talking to the mortgage advisor you don't be like 
there's no one going to say she wears a headset, but no one's yeah, seen the headsets get worn. Right. It's, it's good at putting things like that down. Mm. But they have this Rakakuni joke, and I'm like, is Rakakuni the thing? No, it's not. And then genuinely, I felt I felt proud of myself for this. So I'm watching the movie, as one does. That's not what I was proud of, but I was doing that. <laughs> well um, done for you. <laughs> thank you. And it goes to the sushi chef scene. And I thought the gag was on those just like, blink, you miss it. So I saw a raccoon tail right. coming out the back of that guy's hat, and I thought, that's very funny. I see what you did there. Great little uh... visual gag. And for them to return to that 45 <laughs> minutes later, and just unfurl this extended, like, yes, no, yeah. there was a raccoon there. And then to make that part of the finale of the film, and then to link that kind of back to her ability to, like, that she's a good masseuse that can manipulate the body for its pressure points is also kind of involved in that as well. It's just, again, the commitment to taking the silly thing and making it the meaningful thing, right. which relates to the core film, which is about little things in families that are actually really really important yeah. and the things that you let lapse because they seem minor and then overtake your life yeah um, couldn't love that stuff more could not love that stuff more which and i mean like all of the rakakuni stuff like it's so emblematic of why the movie works so well and it's like we talked about on the last episode like dr strange does such a poor job of using the multiverse and this movie is the polar opposite of that in that every every time it uses the multiverse, it's extremely purposeful and it all works back into the, that wider yeah. arc. And it's actually creative with the multiverse stuff. Every every different universe that they go into is actually interesting and you it, it feels like an actual branch of something else, you know, and like, and then it comes back around to, okay, this is part of something different. This is part of something greater and it all just works so well together. It's 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 nice to see those ideas actually executed well. Yeah, and and again, it, it all works so well because despite the film being so, I mean, surreal is not quite the right the right word because it's not it's it's not a surreal work, um, but it is a it is a strange and weird work, and I think there is an important difference there. But for me, it works so well because at every point, it is very intelligently grounded. Of this, all links back to this like key stake a very recognizable family in which the dynamics are nailed from the beginning of right. those people you know it goes back to what ron and i keep saying about if you nail the specificities then you create universality and this takes it a step further of if you nail the specificities you create mm. multiversality <laughs> of the sense of you can have yeah. it go across and across and across and that is it's just just good great screenwriting just absolutely great screenwriting everything works it's, it's i was speaking to emma about this when i'd just seen it um, and quite hyperbolically, but I was just like, this is the film that people say that Inception is. Um, people say that Inception okay, is this I, like yeah, smart that. blockbuster, okay. and it's smart to a degree yeah. about like layers of like meaning and stuff and like lore. I'm like, no, this is this is because Inception ultimately yeah. is a is a fun premise that's a good action movie. This is a fun premise, an intelligent, quite philosophical mm -hmm. film, and fun as hell. And yeah. to me, it feels like the freshest, like most interesting blockbuster since The Matrix, genuinely. Mm. That's the thing with Inception. If you start to unpick, uh, yeah, you know, the, the logic behind it, it sort of falls apart. Whereas this, as you try and pick it apart, you're like, the numbers all check out. Like, the, the, <laughs> the math is good. This works. But it also doesn't matter. Like what I love about it is it spends so much time setting up its rules, but its rules are there to facilitate it being clever and having fun. Of I feel because some people that haven't liked it as much have asked like on the second time is the exposition overwhelming? I'm like no because the exposition is always fun. Like it right. never feels like it's there to drop. It's always handled in smart conversations that are doing something else. It does a great a lot of cross purpose talk. There's a whole bunch of great scenes of Wayman thinks that one thing's going on and Evelyn thinks something else. So it's exposition but joke at the same time or ca character conflict at the same time. Again, great screenwriting. 
and then it sets up its rules and its rules are fun the idea of like do a silly thing and oh, then that, that yeah, creates yeah. a multiverse what doesn't create the multiverse it allows you to jump the across the pads yeah right <laughs> all that allows the filmmakers to do is just gives them license to have characters constantly doing stupid stuff in the background yeah. and pretending to do which just, is like just visually entertaining like once they take the, the reins off and they're just like it, it, it is like it sets its rules just so it can gleefully break them which is the second half of the movie yeah. is being like what if i don't and you're like okay what if you don't fantastic yeah i mean if you look at like your comparison to like something like inception like inception is it it has those specific rules and it has to be it has to follow those rules and it can't break them because if you break the logic of that film then it all falls apart yeah that film is just this, logic it's a, right. it's a clockwork thing yeah but this movie it's like it's kind of set up from the get-go that yeah okay the rules the specific rules don't really matter and that right the the absurdity of yes you have to do something silly and it launch pads you into whatever skill you need to learn like it doesn't make any sense but it doesn't need to make any sense because it's just the film is entertaining you enough that it doesn't matter what those rules are because it's just it's breaking them it's making them and it doesn't matter it, it lampshades its symbols so well i you know i get really frustrated there are films that you like a lot more than i do um, and sometimes the thing i go to is i don't like things that exist purely as symbolic um a reason i did not like um columbus that much is because i felt there are things in columbus that's like that just to, that's just there just to be literary that's just there just to be symbolic referent and this film does a good job of like at least hanging a gag onto every symbol so like the yeah. everything everything bagel monologue is like well that's clearly <laughs> there just that is there as a symbolic right. item that is only there as a MacGuffin. But it's also very, very funny. And and the way that visual motif echoes around the film and is reversed throughout the film with yeah. the googly eyes are reversed. Like it's just it is having fun with symbolism and it's not reliant on symbolism. It again has the narrative to carry through. It doesn't feel like a vessel for symbols. Um, it feels like a fun movie that's got some ideas percolating around. And I think that's that's like why it all ends up working so perfectly. Like when it finishes and you just like try to think back to it, it's like everything is playing off of something else constantly like it's like there's this big board and it's like everything has its connection and it's like you talk about like the the everything bagel and it's just like you can you can connect that to so many things and it's it's so perfect like they're talking about how she's building something and it's like this very dark ominous thing and then you finally get to that moment and you're like oh what's gonna happen and it's it's an everything, literally everything bagel. And it's just, it makes that moment so much better. And that monologue is so well delivered. She's so good. Um, oh, yeah. Playing Joy. It's yes, such... Yeah, yeah. People are very good at this film at playing a different version of themselves and just hamming it up and having so much fun. Um, Waymond is the real star of the movie for me. Oh, I mean, obviously, the show is, is absolutely fantastic. But like this like new cinematic trend of nice, supportive dads in the background, I, I found different things very emotional both times. But the thing yeah. I found really emotional the second time is his entire arc of him being incredibly capable right. for the entire film and her just not realizing that he's yeah, actually yeah. very, very good and has it down every time and that she is the naysayer and that part of her arc is her realizing that he's great and she does need him and they need each other and work well together of the way that he's looked down on because he does not fit into a very like capitalist American exceptionalist like view right. of what a successful man looks like. Yeah. And it doesn't say that, it doesn't need to say that. And I think why I love the film in general, though you, you can, there is room for critique on a wider political lens about some normalizing of stuff. I don't really think that holds. So I don't think it's really interested in that. I think it's a very good film about breaking out of the capitalist, specifically American um, mode of success and you don't need to be defined by these things 
and like finding joy through other people finding like empathy through other people and that we do not need to be these things in order to like work in this system and of like breaking not breaking the system because one person cannot break the system which i think is an important thing to do yeah but accessing things the system doesn't want you to access finding satisfactions that are alien to it and do not exist to propagate it i think it's really good at doing that it's amazing how I mean, there really are. And that's what's so great about going back to it and watching it over and over again is like you said, like you get something different every time. Like you can mm. pick one thing to focus on and it's a whole yep. arc that is a whole film that is amazing and you can really pick apart. And it's like that aspect of it is it's really this whole thing where these these people who are so focused on we have to work hard and we have to make things happen and we have yeah. to do this and they kind of ex just expect that. And it's, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's sort of familiar, like, that it's then just expected that that's going to sort of carry down to the next generation. Mm. But the reality is not that. And that then these people, you know, these children feel ignored and because their parents are so focused on something yeah. else. Um, and then, you know, for the end to be, okay, well, you're right. I've realized that me focusing so hard on this is not what's important and that what is important is what's happening right now between us and that's it's just amazing it's really beautiful i think that's an amazing job and i've spoken to his friends about this to defend the film i think that's an amazing job and this is really difficult to do of divorcing its messaging from its characters of not endorsing every character yes with, this is what the film is saying which is really hard to do because mm. often a film is just in, it just speaks for its characters so the messaging of this film is very clean and very tidy um, it ties itself off ideologically very, very neatly, but it doesn't tie its characters off very neatly at all. It doesn't sound them down at the end. At the end, Evelyn, still not really a very good person, like yeah. legitimately, not really at all. Um, and all the relationships there, still very, very flawed, but it knows that the messaging has worked, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, the process has begun. The, the way that it deals with like misanthropy and nihilism, I think is really mm. intelligent yeah. because it invokes that. And obviously all of us here love films that critique nihilism because we are all very much against that. But I think why the film works is it, it actually understands the, why people do favour that though. It understands the misanthropic instinct. And like Wayman's character, Alpha Wayman is an example of that, as is like Alpha Gongong, like this idea of being like, there are well-meaning people who will use your universe disposably because they do think that that's disposable. And I know people that view the film as endorsing that. And I get that you could think that, that it sees the multiverse as not that important. But for me, that's another like variable that it brings in to show, no, they're wrong. Right. Because she breaks out of their plan and does her own thing. And she only succeeds by using the import of every multiverse of like finding the thing that actually matters there. And mm -hmm. everyone only gets satisfaction in the end by treating these things as things that are enriching. And even little silly things, like a thing that appears as like a butt plug joke at the beginning as a visual gag, then becoming an empowering item that liberates you in a very metaphorical <laughs> way. It, there is there is misanthropy the whole way through, but it's always clearly framed as the joke slightly at it, or it's coming from a, a place of clearly in the wrong, or it's coming from a place of we feel sorry for you, we understand. And that's such a smart through line for the film to present that, not fall into it, not propagate it, but realize that it's there. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult to, the thing is you have to, if you're going to make a movie that is essentially a rejection of like those nihilistic impulses, yeah. like you can make, there are movies like that, that are just purely a rejection of that. But this movie, like you said, it knows that that's also something that people are 
dealing with on a daily basis and that is a part of our lives even if your ultimate ethos is against that it's still something that everyone is wrestling with and so it has to bring that in as part of it in order to then turn it around and reject it i mean if you look at other movies recently i think there's been too many things recently that are not necessarily in that conversation like that aren't trying to reject it and more just submit to that nihilism like yeah you talk about something cool. right like you talk about something like don't look up which is just hopelessly nihilistic and awful yep. yeah and like, the suicide squad as well <laughs> in a way yeah but yeah it's it's like this movie knows that we do have those impulses and it's true but ultimately that's what you have to break away from because without if you didn't have that impulse at all then it doesn't really matter yeah, and that, and that there's already enough to not have that. I think is that it, that it has this wonderful like subversion of like traditional narrative structure of it. Very much ends where it begins, and it ends on like the most like bum note of being like, that's kind of it. And that, that yeah, and that, yeah. that's where it drops the title card of like that is everything ever all at once. And it's not saying that life is just capitalist struggle of you just sit there in your you know in your laundromat and that's great it's not saying that at all it's been like there is stuff in all of our lives that's enriching already and it is up to us to to find those things mm-hmm. right um, which is which is great which is so great i mean I, I do think there is elements room for critique from people with more appropriate voices to me i think I've, i i really am i like the kindness mentality thing a lot um that's a thing that i like in general but i do not think that kindness is the solution to everything but i don't think the movie thinks that either because yeah. again, this movie things don't solve at the end. Things just get a bit better and perspective shift. Yes, and I think yeah. kindness can be a big perspective shift. It's not a solution, but it's a better way to live our lives. But it's not going to solve grander things. It's However, progress rather than sort of completely reverting. Yeah, totally. Um, iteration, um, reform over time, which you know, wider conversation. But I will admit, I feel that maybe the the way that um queer reconciliation is presented in the film as perhaps a, a, a tad trite and simplistic or yeah, it goes down to well now i was kind to my lesbian daughter yeah, yeah, yeah. and that kind of like yeah. there's, there's, there's a bit solved. of easiness there that i know that certain people who are a lot closer to that than myself have been like mm, it ain't like that and sometimes it just ain't like that and sometimes that ain't enough maybe it it ties that bit too neatly mm. but then also i again my perspective doesn't really matter but for me it plays back to it's not that the girlfriend word is magic. It's that ultimately the dad didn't care. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. never actually a deal. It's not that he's no. like, oh, there you go. He's like, okay, cool. I'm just moved on. It didn't. But then you can say it's reductive because it does matter to some pieces. But again, for me, that worked. I can see why it wouldn't. And, and it worked for me as well. And again, same thing as you. Like, I don't necessarily have the right voice to speak on that. But like, I also think that, like you said, the movie is not necessarily simply point a to point b it's just one point to another point and it's not necessarily complete you know it's the end of the Mm. movie is not the end of any of their lives or anything there's clearly still room for so much growth and it's just that moment of okay i'm starting to understand it It feels like now this is where we actually we can do something from this point onwards like like now i'm now i'm listening now i can actually take the time to to learn and grow from here and we had a fun time along the way. <laughs> yes, we did. It is such a fun it movie. Certainly did. It's very fun. Lots of fun to be had. And all this sort of existentialism and critiques of nihilism. There is just uh, fanny pack action choreography and <laughs> uh, rocks and rakakunis. And it's 
It's everything. I mean, it's it's pop philosophy, but it reminds you that pop philosophy is kind of fun in the same way that The Matrix was never especially deep and was always like people. I mean, because there are sniffy reviews out there being like, I saw some of the Matrix, like, dude, like, The Matrix is hardly the most original work ever right. made. Like, it is, yeah. it is repeating things people have been talking about in philosophy for a long time and popular culture for a long time. Pop philosophy is fun though, because like they are little head scratching ideas and you put that next to character and emotion that works and you sell it. And that's, that's, that's all you need, folks, it turns out, is you need a strong emotional core. If that doesn't work for you, this won't work for you because the ideas enough are not strong enough yeah. to hold it. It's not an art house work. It is not philosophical reflection, but it's a great way of cementing character, theme, and an intimate relationship. And for me, the relationship was so compelling and I was so put in. I cried both times I watched it at mm. different points. Um, and just like, but there is, there is cleverness in the silliness. So it's a film about parental pressure. And to get back to the rock scene, you know, like when things, you know, the idea that like diamonds are formed of pressure, the idea that like it pressures and pressures and pressures and then there suddenly rocks seems very poetically beautiful of being like, that's such yeah. an encapsulation of that's what pressure does to you. Like it removes life and creates that thing. The smartness, even inside the silliness, which is Rakakuni as a whole. Well, that's a just lovely idea. <laughs> I love Rakakuni. Yeah, everything is, is, it is, you're right. It's, it's all very silly, but it all, I mean, like we've been talking about, like everything all, is is in conversation with each other in itself and mm. it knows that the silliness is working for something greater and that that's what makes it work so perfectly is all of those moments like especially when you revisit it and you know what those moments are building to it's just makes it that much more fun to watch it just inhabits its space so well like it knows what the characters know like my favorite lines every time it's this, this great dramatic reveal where alpha gong gong appears and it's just like yeah i'm gonna kill you blah blah and then joy just goes when did you learn to speak English so well? Like, oh, yeah, she would be thinking that. Right. It, it's really good at keeping track of who knows what in each conversation, yeah, you know, like yeah, keeping yeah. it at a narrative and character level. Those little grounding moments all the way through. So good. It goes back to people. The script is so good. The script is so strong. It's it's just exceptional. It's it's really it's it's amazing to see. And I'm just so glad that in any way that this film has gotten the amount of attention that it has, mm. because it's it deserves it. It's well-deserved and it's so great to see something this original and this refreshing, like really grab a hold and, and find an audience. So um, that I would think will conclude our um, extolling all of the praises on everything, everywhere, all at once, all the praise everywhere. I mean, all at once, over talk, everything. Um, oh, what a wonderful movie. It, 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 it's, it's so hard not just be like, oh, it's just really good. It's, it's really sometimes, good. as you can tell from my episode lengths, when there is disagreement and critique, it's so much easier to go out length. As <laughs> right. Like, just good because it works like it's good because it works on the bits is the silly bits and they work together like this machine is good because it works there you go Bam. very functional movie yeah it uh, is hyper functional yeah it, it's Sorry. it's just it's brilliant if you haven't seen it please see it yeah, and if you have seen it, it then go see it again why not yeah no, go see it. it's good it's good it's one of, those, one of the good movies I mean, yeah, it's one of the good I, ones it's it is quite far and away my favorite from the year i can't imagine anything coming close to it i just yeah. I was my jaw was on the floor um for it's the entirety tough. of the movie it's tough for the rest of the year now look all eyes on you avatar 2 <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've got left well i haven't that's watched it. chip and dale rescue rangers yet and i've heard some stuff about that movie oh, um, put away put away rrr and watch chip and dale instead <laughs> Yeah, I have not watched Morbius yet. I've not watched Jim and oh, Rescue Rangers oh, yet. I can't wait so. for the Morbius takes. Yeah. Everyone loves just... Vampire Matt Smith. Yeah, someone in my life keeps asking me every day when I'm at work, have I watched Morbius yet? I'm like, no, but I will. <laughs> every single... Is it Jared Leto? <laughs> yes, Do you have a big, big Morbius fans where you work? 
<laughs> well, there's one. There's one. Oh, the oh. same person on their name badge, they have a picture of Megamind from Megamind on it. Oh, wow. So they are deep into the memes, I'm going to say. Deep into deep meme into culture. Memes. If you like memes, you love Morbius. Ironically. Uh, um, there good. you go. Oh, irony. Irony. It's still there, kids. Still there. Um, <laughs> so I think, unless we've got some generic ones, that we, we do. Um, or no some carryover. No. I think we're going to plan on skipping emails this week. The real reason being of due to weird schedule reasons jack and i had to start this at midnight our time <laughs> yeah so that's why the energy is weird <laughs> it's almost yeah. one in the morning for jack and steven and i yep. got home from work and immediately plugged my mic in so <laughs> so we were not, not ideal taking long questions which is a shame because i know there's a lot of people at some point we might just have to do an all bonanza emails episode of That'd just like good. email in the mailbag about... the mailbag roundup yeah we'll have to do a mailbag thing um but we can do a little bit of an extended recommendations thing um because we've seen some stuff also that we won't do a podcast on, but is 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 chattable. So, um, Jack, can you take the floor first of all, Chippendale Rescue Rangers? <laughs> um, have you seen Robert Zemeckis' classic Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Not since I watched it with my dad when I was growing up, because he was just like, you should watch this film, it's brilliant. And I watched Very it, and it was brilliant. I need, it's a film I need to it's, revisit. I've not uh, seen it since I was like 12. It's a movie. It's a hybrid live-action animation featuring the wonderfully painstakingly detailed animation art of Richard Williams, who uh, also did the Pink Panther cartoons and uh, The Thief and the Cobbler, which was never actually officially released. One of the best sort of uh, British animators of all time. And Chippendale Rescue Rangers takes that and updates it to 2022 and it all looks horrible. <laughs> and it's a film about bootlegging and laughing, but then you're like, oh no, Disney owns everything and this conglomerate nature. It's... I know I was kind of hot on Space Jam 2, but even this, I'm like, oh, no. Too much. I don't want to see Randy Marsh from South Park hang out with the three little pigs in a swamp. Oh, what? I, yeah. So Justin DeClue of Justin DeClue fame tweeted something that I was like, this has oh, got the, to be a joke, right? No, the, the Arkham uh, comic strip uh, inclusion is also in that. I don't even know if Disney have that. Surely Disney don't own Crumb. <laughs> Um, weird I'm trying to think of some other strange pulls like it is interesting in that when you look at the background scene of space jam 2 and you're like oh look it's the joker next to the penguin next to the devil uh the nuns from the oh, devil devils, yeah yeah which is why <laughs> that film like, I, would oh. never, I can never truly despise that movie because it's got but then also the, <laughs> this has flounder from the little mermaid being kidnapped and peter pan is now an elderly sleazy man uh, voiced by will Arnett. what yeah wow so it, it boils down to um it's just john mulaney and andy sandberg playing themselves and they're not really chipmunks at all and it's just sort of a movie that happens huh. so that is my take on chip and dale rescue Rangers. Well, I, I like that steven said let's do some recommendations and then made you talk about a movie you didn't hey, like that much. okay uh, who framed roger rabbit i recommend there you no, our extended recommendations section is also the films we can't do a podcast on. Okay. Um, can you speak about memory? Oh, no. Can you speak <laughs> about memory, I think, is the key question. Here. Have you seen any Liam Neeson thriller from the past 17 years? Yeah, there was a, I, I, I briefly had the Liam Neeson stint at the Leeds University student newspaper. Me, yeah. yeah, like, weirdly, when I was that, writing was reviews that, for the student newspaper. When was that? Like so I, I wrote a few in a row. <laughs> Taken I, I, I remember the grey. Um, I remember. The grey is not terrible. Films that were basically the same. The, the um, oh At least god, it has wolves. 
yeah it is true memory what's weird about memory is i remember not that long ago like the beginning of this year i edited calvin's review of i think it's called like blacklight which was another it's liam another, neeson thriller liam neeson one, yeah. and so i read about that and i was like yeah it sounds like another i mean this whole review is basically about how it's the expected generic liam neeson thriller movie and then i couple months later i saw a trailer for memory and i was like is this like how are we how is this in the same year we're getting multiple generic liam neeson thriller movies but apparently that's where we're at still how old is he now um, still saying stupid stuff um the weirdly the film uh, that i forgot that I reviewed as well uh, was Unknown. <laughs> there you go. The film called <laughs> Unknown was the film that I forgot. Um, and there was a third one that I've, I've also forgotten. I want to say it was like Beneath the Paving Stones or something. So like in, the, in the past sure. year, a, walk, a, a walk, A Walk Among the Tombstones. There you go. That's the <laughs> Beneath the Paving the Stones. <laughs> in the past that's year like a, a that's an inherent vice and... line, right? Isn't it? Like Beneath the, you know, you're big inherent vice fans. <laughs> Only the one Marksman. of us has done a podcast on it. <laughs> the Marksman, <laughs> The Ice Road, Blacklight, Memory, Retribution, Marlowe. Oh, These man. All, the Neeson heads are absolutely living right now. <laughs> the Neeson heads. I wonder what... I, I actually, no, I don't yeah. want to know more about those people. Beneath the Paving Stones, the beach. There you go. It's a, on the soundtrack to Inherent Vice. Um, so there you go. Thank you for those two, two movies. Um, Vaughn, what have you seen recently that is new, but we're not going to podcast about? Uh, new um but i guess that's a contradiction because this, this is a podcast um, but... magic spot magic oh well spot. that's magic spot. that's true. magic all, spot we've all seen magic spot um rather than talk about magic spot first mm -hmm. jack and i watched uh dark glasses <gasps> oh i forgot you watched this um, yeah the new argento movie it's pretty good I, no, but oh, i watched cool. the new argento movie <laughs> that's true he directed in a movie this year and acted in a movie this year you oh, saw vortex yeah you've seen vortex and i i will give the take on which one's better when i watched dark. i forgot i forgot dark glasses existed it's cool already. it's like i've seen a couple of his sort of more sort of contemporary slashes and some of them are just like nasty and like nihilistic and bad or just awful like dracula 3d i've not even seen that one i'm just thinking it's of so bad um but dark glasses is fun what did you think zeb yeah it's it's pretty good i mean i was Definitely my expectations were tempered because I've I've only seen classic and the great Argento, but I've heard only terrible things about more contemporary Argento movies. So I was like, okay, the, the chances that this is going to be great are pretty slim, but it started and a great score kicked in and I was like, all right, I'm on board and it held up pretty well the whole time. I mean, it's not it's not great. It doesn't definitely doesn't stand up to no. the best of his work, but um, I think it's much <laughs> if you watch it, you're like this right. is basically Suspiria. <laughs> like, um, oh my god, it's Tenebrae again. But it's Tudebrae. good. It's good. There's it some good. there's some gnarly stuff in there. It's it's a fun nice. time. Nice, 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 nice. Um, anything else, Bob? Magic spot? Uh, Firestarter. Can we oh god, thanks. Uh, you can read Speaking you can read my review on Firestarter but yes a very very bad movie with a very very good score by John Carpenter Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies um, yeah not a good movie that I would recommend to anybody <laughs> it's just yeah, exactly. Exactly. abysmally written yeah well I'll, I'll take the the lazy Argento um, segue and then we'll go to Magic Spot um, but yeah so I watched um, Gaspar Noe's Vortex which I've spoken about on another um, project with, with Jack already my review will be up on the site soon um, uh, my idea we've all watched too much 
Gaspinelli movies. <laughs> Too much as in more than one. More than the, two. I mean, previously, I'm, I was on record being like, though, again, I have a three star review of Irreversible out there. I don't condone the opinions expressed in that review, um, okay. <laughs> written by me. <laughs> written by you. Um, that person is much kinder to the film than I actually would be conversationally, but we've talked about that at length. Like, mm. blah, 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 blah. Let's not really discuss that conversation. Um, I think his only good film was Climax. Um, Climax. Though actually, I like Lux Turner. Um, I watched that this week as well. I saw Lux I... I saw the trailers for Lux Turner rules. I hate Lux Turner. I'm going to sell it to you, Jack Ruffles. <laughs> the no, ending like, of Lux Turner. Like, it's like strobophobic. Just oh my God, it just wants to kill you. It wants to break your eyes. Oh, exactly. He's like, good at that. He's, that. That's when no, he's sure, good. Yeah, yeah. It's not being like objectionable. It's just just combative. I mean, but, yeah, I will say Lux Eternal, like there is something about it. Like even when I was watching it and even my review is not long at all, but like there is something like hypnotic and interesting about mm. it that I'm like, okay, I'm kind of into this, but also like it's I'm so, so it. it's so abrasive to watch that yeah, I just, I, know, right? I was kind of like, I've, I finished it and I was like, man, I'm like so close and wanting to like this, but I just, like, I couldn't like it. It was, was too so much. Designed. My poor eyes. He, so here's bad. my selling point for you, Jack. The the uh, ending, right, the ending is like a pastiche of Abel Gantz's trifecta from Napoleon by way of Ken Russell's The Devil. <laughs> That's a good way to describe <laughs> like it. You know how to sell me a devil. It's incredible. By comparing it to and things then just I know like I like. Flashing just like Gaspar Noe neon in the background. Holy Brilliant. crap, it's a good movie. <laughs> So Vortex, good, bad. Um, Vortex is brilliant. Um, Vortex is absolutely brilliant. It is um, a harrowing two and a half hours, like two hours 20. Um, there are a few moments that are a bit like, there are a few moments where mum would like, oh, piss off Gaspar. Um, <laughs> annoyingly, like the very, very end, this is a very slight spoiler, but like, so it's it's filmed very restrainedly um, the whole way through of its, its long shots, but it's just like incidental tracking shots following the characters around in their perspective. And at the end, he does that thing he loves to do of being like, and my last shot is I lift the camera up. I'm like, put the camera down, Gaspar. <laughs> he loves his uh, down the camera down. And his, uh, Cirque du Soleil camera harnesses. Oh my God, Gaspar, up put it down. Floats them Love the 3D sky. sucks, but at least the cameras were so big you couldn't move them. Um, Just ugh. in theory, I can't imagine that working. I mean, in the movie like Climax, it makes sense because it's very kinetic and oh, yeah. mobile, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a but, movie about uh what that movie like is aging. about doesn't seem right <laughs> can i can i can i drop just a couple of spoilers i'm gonna drop a couple yeah, of spoilers yeah. you can have to forgive I'll me um I'll the movie you. implies that dario argento is dead in a way that i think is really insensitive oh. <laughs> genuinely it implies what? that he's dead he's not he just made a movie that's very strange um so Joe was just like, mm, Gaspar. So, like, the characters don't have names. They don't have names. Um, so they introduce like at the beginning. Man and woman, like so it comes up. They're called man and woman, and it comes up at the beginning oh. with their the day that the 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 date of birth of the actor. Um, so it says like um, the credit comes up. Says so Dario Argento, 1945, and it has his picture up there. Okay. So, because you're supposed to think that it, it the, one of the ideas of the film is very much like. Dario Gento and Gaspar Noe are, are weirdly quite similar in the sense yeah. of like occupying a space and clearly Gaspar Noe sees Argento now as what he could be so it is very much a meditation on being like not as a filmmaker but that sense of being like I'm going to come like become person. old yeah, and old irrelevant age. and sure. scared and people will die around me and I have to face like my mortality it's, it's, it's quite it's quite lovely but at the end it does this thing which is really weird because oh this is a massive spoiler I'm really sorry um, but the characters, they don't make it for the movie. They don't make it for the movie. They do not. Maybe that will surprise you. They don't make it through. Um, and it flashes up at the end. 
1945 to 2020. I'm like, no, what? No, not dead. <laughs> he didn't die. He released a movie this year. That's a very strange choice. That's but... so weird. It's so bizarre. What are we in choice? It's kind of interesting to put up their date of birth at the beginning because it's about age and right. time, but you don't mm, put up their can't... death date. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that bit, huh, that obituary bit, and cinematic. That bit form. I thought was quite deeply insensitive. Um, that bit's quite bad. There's a bit where is the most agenda, not the most no way moment. So there's this third character that is the um, son of the couple. Um, and I like him because he feels like, so he's made movies about young people for his, apart from I Stand Alone, it's been all young people taking drugs and drugs and having sex. Um, mm -hmm. And this character feels like they've just walked in from an actual Gaspar Noe movie and can't really deal with this film because they can't deal with how, Aging. like yeah because right. like they, they can't deal with the fact their mother has got dementia and they can't deal with the fact their dad is not dealing with it and their dad has had heart problems i mean gaspar noe had a, a brain aneurysm before making this and that was a huge oh. reason why he made it of he almost died he lost some family members to dementia this film is very much that on on celluloid um so it's very powerful for that reason but there's one scene where it's oh, it's the most gaspar noe thing ever of Yes, this this we're gonna have a scene for no reason of the person reaches because he's a he's a recovering addict. So of course we're gonna have a scene where he lights up some drugs and is his small child gonna walk in the background and see him lighting up those drugs? Yes, he is. Oh. Is that the end of the scene? Yes, that is the end of the scene. Mm, God damn! <laughs> but that's just there for that. That's that's there. Yeah, that's like, just guess a, now check boxes <laughs> yeah there are a few times where it tries to narrativize things and it doesn't really work it has to i'm, I'm sorry i'm just wondering if you there's there's it, it, it have you heard about its key gimmick no oh yeah. god it's so cool it's so so cool so it starts off simply with you're watching the film and they talk at the beginning and have this lovely line they're very very happy this old couple saying life's a dream and then um Gento says no like it's a dream within a dream and that becomes this like foreboding device of actually it's talking about how you know when your reality doesn't feel real anymore because you've got dementia hmm, maybe you're wow. stuck in a dream world and that's real bad and it's Argento's writing a book about cinema and dreams idea that that films are dreams that when sure. you go to see a film in the dark in a cinema it's like yeah. being in a dream state so even if it's not yeah. about dreams so therefore it invites you to reflect on it that stuff's really clever i love it but they're lying in bed and he puts his arm over and you don't know she's well because at this point she doesn't have dementia because it jumps forward you don't know and this line just comes down the middle of the screen pushes it apart and from that point onwards it's in split screen the entire movie Oh wow! Um, one half is him it. or the sun; the other half, or well, it, they switch across. But it's only ever like one perspective on either side, and they're doing different things. So you have to choose to watch one or the other. You can't like take that. it all in. You can't watch both. Okay. And occasionally they're sat next to each other, but it's two cameras, so it never quite Still lines up. Frames, so they reach yeah. through the frame, and it will disjoint. And it's this amazing way of very cleverly showing that they may be together, but they will always be distinct. They will be separated. Yeah. There are things that make them That's distinct. Clever. And it it does so it's an idea from Luxa Turner and it doesn't gimmick it. It's there so necessary as part of it. And there's a very bold bit partway through. So again, massive spoiler, where one of the characters dies. Um with about half an hour of the film left. And I'm like, so let's miss a trick here, because like imagine the power of now just having me just have like half a blank screen. Yeah. Then a minute later, it just does that. And you just have right. just half of the and just like Wow, Ooh, and just dealing with an absence, Heavy. and then because yeah. obviously the sun is still alive, so it, it populates at points. But like, 
the things that it makes you do as a viewer are actually very intelligent. Um, it's a really good movie. It's sort of more mature than I thought it would be. Awesome. It's restrained. Yeah, Vortex is, is it is great, legitimately great. Oh wow, yeah, I'm really interested to check that out once it's. I missed it. I'm frustrated that I missed it when it was in theaters briefly here, but uh, I'll check it out as soon. It was as a it's very available. immersive, very yeah. overwhelming experience. No one spoke on the way out. No one. It was just right <laughs> silence of like. <laughs> it was the same with same with me and Chip and Dale rescue. <laughs> yeah, but we all watch Magic Spot, right? Oh, yes, <laughs> very much. So good. Best movies of the year. Act late, act late. Oh, my review is up on it. I'm going to say read Vaughn's view on Letterbox because I think it's absolutely lovely piece of writing. Oh, thank you. Um, that so captures the the very evocative and infectious joys of these films. This is the best Moton film, and you know we love Moton here from our podcasts since River Beast. It is, I think, really, really smart and yeah. generally about something. It's just, it's just nice. It's. I actually it's sent Matt Farley a message this week. Um, which I wasn't going to um, after I reviewed it obviously to thank him about a certain bit and I said I don't think you meant this to be this way and I'm going to speak a bit more vague than I did to him but there is a really lovely normalisation of something in this film that doesn't seem purposeful but spoke to me very profoundly because of experiences that I've been through over the last couple of years there is a character in this film that just likes to sleep every now and then and no one cares and everyone's very accepting about it now this is not a movie about chronic fatigue um no, but people yeah. that live with chronic fatigue and like know about like the stigmas around that right. what does not does not suit them the fact that this has a character that is able to that is analog to that and is so accepted of this idea of being like no one gets away i generally not because of myself because of experiences of, of, of people around me i've found really resonant and powerful in a way that I wasn't expecting from a movie. Definitely not intended, but it, it speaks to the infectious joy at the heart of these films. Of They're so yeah. well-meaning and lovely and they only come from really lovely things from lovely people. Yeah, that's what's so great about the whole thing. It's just like there's so much silliness, but it's never really acknowledged by anyone. I mean, that's, one that's of the magic. main characters one of the main characters' name is Poopy and it's no one ever no one ever says anything about it's it. That's just, that's just who he is, it's right? It's so like, great. Like oh, the name's crowdsourced, isn't that why? <laughs> is that why? Some of them are like you, if you like pay a certain fee to be a producer, you can have your name. Like someone I follow on Letterbox is called Chris. Oh, I can't remember his second name, but one of the characters like in the background is called that name. Um, so for next year, I'm gonna get uh, Stephen Gillespie on as the main character, <laughs> and I want to. Which means that. I therefore cannot review it, so that could be an issue. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Uh, I think I tweeted saying like it's, it's um, like street corner sci-fi with like mm. sincere yeah. silliness mm. and like it is silly, but it's never acknowledged that what they're doing is silly or like the wordplay that comes into it. They just play it completely straight, which is where like the magic of these motor movies come from for mm. me. I think, like, and it all weirdly makes sense. Like yeah. in a way oh, that really? most sci-fi films it, don't. It's most perfect. time travel films don't. It's, it weirdly is very cogent. With its because it because the central premise of how it's time travel is so ridiculous, but then it it, it really sticks to it and it makes yeah. its weird and narrativeness how, become thematic in some some lovely ways. It's so good how they communicate with past generations and oh. oh, it's just so simple and it's just like community independent filmmaking at its finest. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's I think it's great how like. 
they know exactly how to work within what they have like it's not it's not an independent small sci-fi movie where they try to make like ridiculous props and they do bad effects and stuff like that like yeah it's not only... like dr strange the multiverse of madness yeah, <laughs> I, agree, yeah. I mean you're not wrong i mean it is it's just like <laughs> they they do so many things but it's like they know how to construct it so that it's very believable but doesn't seem like cheesy or you know like it doesn't age itself into any particular place like it just it exists and it works really well and it's so lovely to watch yeah it's 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 absolutely brilliant um so yes that that's our rundown so aside from that divorced from that let's all recommend a movie um i'm going to go first because then i can ask you because i like to ask you two things um so i just today actually completed the letterbox top 250 congratulations all of those movies um i ended with a nice five hour 17 minute film (laughs) um hamaguchi's happy hour a deceptive title. One, not very happy. Two, <laughs> definitively not an hour long. It's five hours and 17 minutes. Very, very good, though. Um, hot take is too long. Anyway, um, the film I'm recommending is um, The Man Who Sleeps, which is the most recent addition to this list. Um, so it is a French film from 1974, directed by, and I apologize for the pronunciations, Georges Perec and Bernard Cézin, I think. Um, oh. So it is a 77 minute. Ho ho ho! Love that. Big fan of that. Um, <laughs> it is now. This it sounds very familiar to begin with. So it's a film about someone who feels so disaffected from life, like is a post college age, and decides to try and just like not disappear, but totally disconnect from reality, so not interact with anybody. Hence the man who sleeps. He sleeps through life basically. So he still like goes to the cinema and like goes to places, but he's locked off. And I feel there's a lot of films kind of about that. And at your like extreme end, there's your like taxi drivers, for example, and your samurais about being disaffected and cut off. And I usually don't really like those movies. I really, really like this because it starts out like that. And at the end, ooh, its closest comparators would be it is a pre-echo of David Lynch's stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. And I think its closest comparator is Mayor Darren's Meshes of the Afternoon. Oh, <laughs> um, oh interesting. It, it devolves into this strange kind of like also like last year at marion bad kind of thing like it's, it's a resonating mm-hmm. kind of like darren kind of like it like when he dissociates like the film dissociates and starts to like melt down and get weird and start repeating and the whole thing has got a voiceover but it's not like the travis travis bickle voiceover it's a different person speaking the whole time and it's a a female narrator speaking his thoughts which make it seem like his thoughts are like trite and even more unimportant because she's like, well, he's doing this now. I'm like, it, and even more decisive. It's it's so much more interesting than I thought it would be. And at the end was not the film that I thought it was at the beginning. And I need to rewatch it already to, because Amazing. the ending is quite bewildering. It's really good. It's really, really good. I may watch it again and be like, oh, actually, I'm not, not, not sure about this. Yes, it's, not it's, very, it's not very it's, good at it's all. so in- well, maybe like not politically sure about this, but it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Really, it's why is this so good? Is occasionally a film of this person you go, oh, that's cool. So yeah, seventy-seven minutes. You can find it on YouTube. I mean, oh, all right, I have, that. I have but that. you can <laughs> seventy-seven minutes with easy accessibility. I'm all about mm. that. Yeah, yeah, and it's sweet four eighty p. <laughs> wow. that i'm less about but i'll make it work i think that's because that's that's the p it is i don't think, I don't think, it was, I don't, I don't think it's high or anywhere else um, but yeah so that's my recommendation i think it's really, really good um i watch it so you can explain the ending to me um um anyway um jack what are you recommending 
I will go for a film I saw or rewatched last night because of the new 88 Films Blu-ray put out. They're doing a lot of the Shaw Brothers stuff and like, you know, I love Hong Kong cinema and talking about everything everywhere all at once. I want to talk more about Kung Fu cinema. So we're talking about Human Lanterns from 1982, directed by Sun Chung. This is like a very strange movie. This is a horror slasher Kung Fu movie uh, from the Shaw Brothers. And, Whoa. Uh, it's called Human Lanterns because uh, the the villain is uh, trying to seek revenge on this this empire, and he is kidnapping people and turning them into lanterns by stripping their skin. And oh, all those cool. glory, glorious, gory details that you you come to love in these strange '80s Hong Kong productions. Um, but yeah, it's got my, some of my favorite uh, Hong Kong actors like Lo Lei. Uh, really interesting sort of like sword play uh wire foo where they're just flying through the hell yeah yeah and just like some really gory gutsy parts as well so uh yeah the new 88 films is amazing and they the artwork is so good well, and the poster is amazing it's funny you've said that because i've seen a later human lantern film and i did not like it at all what's that um it starred ryan reynolds and it was terrible oh. No, about Green Lantern. The, the, the oh, I was like, what? <laughs> He's a hot, human it lantern. took me a second. It took me a second. You're talking about the, uh, the Hot Wheels advertisement movie. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sorry about <laughs> that. I couldn't resist. So um, I apologize so for ruining your sincere recommendation. That sounds really, really cool. It's um, very cool. Yeah, I want to check that out. And Vaughn, finally. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and recommend uh, Whit Stillman's The Last Days of Disco, which yeah, is. Yeah. It's really wonderful. Um, it's it's a cool, it's an interesting movie about, I mean, the last days of disco. It's kind of like about the downfall of that era and like where it all kind of came to a head and ended and specifically about one specific um, sort of club um, in that time period. And it centers on um, Chloe Sevigny plays the main character and she's fantastic and all of the people in her surrounding. And it's sort of like, it's kind of both like a passionate like reminiscing of that era but also like a really smart critique of it like as you watch it like you realize that everyone surrounding her is just like they're they're all awful people but they're also very charming you know like mm. it, it really I mean, does like a good job a lot for that kind of reason of like yeah. these people are very very funny but they're awful <laughs> right yeah, like it like does a really good job of of making these characters who are very charming and you like watching them but like the more you watch it the more you realize like oh they're all terrible people and i don't like them very much um but also it's a lot of fun and the music is obviously fantastic and just a lot of fun um so yeah everyone should everyone should check that out if you have not so is it basically 24 hour party people but for like fancy new york types that's a reference uh, for me. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Say, I'm gonna well, just say yes. Party, for our party people, it's like about like the the yeah, rise the and fall of like the huge like Manchester specific like underground then huge bursting music scene. Um, so the beginning days and the last days of a musical moment um, with uh, and that involved. In that case, I would say yes. <laughs> cool. Good movie. Yeah. So uh, Vaughn recommends Twenty Four Hour Party. <laughs> Uh, Michael Winterbottom, Steve Coogan film. That's fantastic. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say again. We all jointly recommend Twenty Four Hour Party, people. Um, good movie. Um, so yeah, that'll do us for today. Um, you can find us everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, here we are, all at once. Um, um, 
we invited Jack on because obviously Jack is brilliant and knows his um, Kung Fu cinema, but we also invited Jack on so we could plug a hoy, as I believe is the official saying. <laughs> so, um, Jack, can you get, let's let's just straight plug stuff, get plugged. Yeah, right, here we go. Twitter, JCKDVMPRT. It's Jack Davenport without the vowels. Letterbox, same thing. JCKDVMPRT, Jack Davenport without the vowels. So good. <laughs> I, have, I have a thousand and one podcasts. Uh, you know, Stephen, I work mm. with Stephen on the Stacks. We do YouTube stuff. We now have an official Stacks podcast feed. We're doing yes. video essays. We do awards. We're going to be doing lists. We're going to be doing all sorts this year. I also have a podcast with my great friend, Ben, where we talk about different Asian cinema. So that's adventures through Asian cinema. We recently did Pakistan and Mongolia, um, two films that I'd never seen anything from those countries before. So that was really mm. fun. You've got a suit podcast. I, I do bloopercast, and that is the r slash letterbox podcast. And the most recent episode was about soup, uh, but mostly it's about movies. But sometimes it's just not about movies. But that's duck fun. soup, got it, got it. Got uh, it. And yeah. don't let the Motown cast get you on the Twin Geeks Network with Stephen and Matt and Calvin talking about all those magic spots. I think. Oh no, I also make music. So ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Five. Bandcamp, SoundCloud, give me some money, buy my things, listen to my music, have fun. You shouldn't give Jack money. Know, you know his music because uh, the mm. Twin Geeks podcast, um, which at the moment is exploring Ralph Bakshi. If you want to learn more than you maybe wanted to know about one <laughs> David Punch, <laughs> that is okay. the podcast for you. Ooh. Now, I'm not saying I'm a prude, but I'm saying that David isn't. Uh, <laughs> hey. I do like um, so they're covering Ralph Bakshi at the moment. Um, and I've listened to half the episode um, because then I had then I had to watch a five hour. I had to watch. <laughs> had to. I watched a five hour Japanese movie. Um, but yeah, um, it's got music from from Jack at the beginning. But mm-hmm. so does the Daydream Cast, which I'm on the most recent episode yeah. of. Which you can, if you listen to it in real time, you can track my kind of like journey from being very excited to being on there to. <laughs> regretting <laughs> regretting and then being actively combative for the last 20 minutes <laughs> what are you discussing on that episode um they invited me on to talk about a game i never played before um because it was a kaiju Fantastic. game and i hated it so <laughs> that sounds very on brand yeah um but it was it was it was a lot of fun it, i mean i was i was i was playing it up for comedic effect it was a re- really fun time um so yes obviously rate comment subscribe send us questions um to thinking of spoiling at gmail.com that is correct. Uh, yes. Any idea what we're going to be talking about in the next in the coming episodes? I don't really know what's what's coming out. I did just watch Alex Garland's Men. Might do an episode I'd like on to that. Talk to you about Men. I'd like to talk about Top Gun. Um, ah, Top yes. Gun um, will be seen. Um, would quite like to talk to Calvin about Top Gun as well. So we might get Top Calvin's Top Top Gun with us. That would be good. Um, I don't know. Like so, yeah, Men and Top Gun, which basically. Top Gun is very men anyway. So there you go, men. Send in your send in your questions and comments about men men. or Top Gun, about men, men in general, or the movie men. So about the concept of masculinity, um, the construct that is, and you know, any patriarchy questions, any toxic masculinity questions, any kind of like the resurgence of gentle masculinity as shown through films like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Turning Red to an extent as well. Good Dad Mm. and that. Um, True. So yeah, if you want to talk about dads, dad cinema, anything, dad cinema. Um, yeah, write in anything. We love it. Absolutely, please do. Anything else before we sign off? N- no. 
All right. Well, Calvin, <laughs> Calvin watched a Gamera film today. I saw he watched it. What so that means... It? Did he like it? Slowly inching towards another another ranking the monsters. Monsters will be ranked. ranked. All right. Yeah. We'll look forward to that soon. Until next time, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. Mm-hmm.